0: Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. I'm your host, Brian Buffini. We're going to talk about work today. A friend of mine said one time, why is it called golf? And they said, because all the other four-letter words were used up. You know, for a lot of people, work's a four-letter word. A lot of people have a view towards work that's less than good. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, says the bumper sticker. A lot of people view work as punishment or, you know, if I didn't have bills, I'd never work. If I won the lottery, sure. if I won the lottery, I'd be on the beach, I'd be sitting in a hammock, I'd never work again. Or I'd go play golf every day. Well, as a person who's in that position and has been in that position for a long time, and I know a lot of people in that position, You'd be amazed to find out that when you have a chance to go play golf every day or sit on the beach every single day, all of a sudden that which used to be a vacation, that was something you enjoyed, becomes even more. Like when you're bored with pleasure, that's when you know you're in trouble. And so there's another alternative. And that's what the topic of today's podcast is about, is how to love your work. And definition of work, according to Mr. Webster, it's a physical or mental purposeful activity. If any of you followed my career at all or been a client of mine or been to seminars or been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know I'm a huge fan of the American Space Program. Growing up, that was just something I was amazed with. You know, I always remember talking to me, Dad, the Yanks could put a man on the moon. I was always amazed by that. One of the highlights of my career was having Neil Armstrong speak at our event. We've had, whether it be Gene Cernan, the last man on the moon, Jim Lovell, the man depicted in the movie by Tom Hanks, Apollo 13. I've had lots of astronauts, lots of people in the space program. And it's always been a huge passion of mine. You know, what a lot of people don't know is the engineers that worked for NASA, that fulfilled that great goal given by Kennedy. We're going to put a man on the moon and bring him safely to Earth by the end of the decade. You know that over 80% of the engineers who worked on the space program were dead by 1975. Their average age was 47. They had worked on something that was so meaningful and so powerful and so passionate that when they no longer were going to the moon and they disbanded the Apollo program, there was such a giant gap left that they weren't able to fill that gap. And it led in premature death. So we don't want that. So when we're working, we want to know that we can do something that we enjoy. A recent Gallup poll said out of a billion people who are full-time workers in the world, only 15% are engaged or purposeful at work. That means an astronomical 85% of people are unhappy in their jobs. That's a lot of pain. In the U.S. alone, in the last 18 months, we've had what's called the great resignation. 38 million people left their jobs. 28% of the workforce. Now, very complicated thing. A lot of reasons. We had people getting paid not to work. We had people, you know, having COVID and the lockdowns, people working from home. But a huge percentage of the great resignation appears to be the people deciding to pursue jobs that are more fulfilling to them. And it gave them an opportunity to kind of get off the treadmill, get off the mousetrap, right? And decide to do something that they enjoyed or something that they were more gifted at or something that might've been a better fit or paid them better or whatever. So we need to examine why it took a tragedy or a difficulty in order to make this decision. It's like the decision was made for them And then they went along with that. So we've all heard the Confucius quote choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm going to talk about the truth of that. And I'm also going to talk about how that's one of the worst quotes of all time because so many people take it out of context and so many people are unhappy with their work because they think you should never feel anything but joy at work. And so we're going to talk about that because, you know, just so you know, roses have thorns. I've been buying my bride roses since. The first week we dated, I am a big time rose buyer. And I'm talking about, I've gone months where every single day of the month, I bought my bride flowers. Right now, she's on a good week and it's have a marvelous Monday, have a terrific Tuesday, have a wonderful Wednesday, tremendous Thursday, fabulous Friday. And here comes these roses. And she never, ever in 31 years of marriage, 32 this year, has never, ever gotten bored or disappointed when there's a little ring at the doorbell And there's a a gal or a guy holding a bouquet of flowers. But even with those beautiful roses, they have thorns. And I know what I'm talking about because I've been pursuing work that I love for 35 years. 35 years. And I will get into the dynamic today that some of the work that you do when you're doing what you love is not stuff that you love. Sometimes I have to do stuff I don't love to do what I love. So when that phrase is, choose a job you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. It doesn't mean that everything about it you love. That's just not life. And by the way, when everything is pleasure, nothing's pleasurable. When everything's a high note, nothing's a high note at all. And so that these become these unrealistic expectations. So we're going to talk about it today. Three things to cover with you. We're going to cover the daily grind. We're going to cover what a way to make a living. And we're going to talk about that dynamic of never working a day in your life. So here's the daily grind. Here's kind of what it feels like. You become disengaged. Just disengaged. Work is a chore. It is not a pleasure. Dostoevsky said, Deprived of meaningful work, men and women lose their reason for existence. That's kind of big. Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great, It is impossible to have a great life unless it is a meaningful life. And it is very difficult to have a meaningful life without meaningful work. You know, we have to understand that a lot of times we're doing things that are very meaningful, but we don't know it. I work in a business where I get a lot of accolades. But, you know, my wife, who spent 30 years of her life raising our kids, homeschooling our kids, there were no trophies given out to my bride. Uh, she never got Homeschooler of the Year award. In fact, you get the opposite. You get the, this is not working, oh, they're not good at that subject, this kid is struggling here, That, da 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 and it's very easy to miss the whole purpose of it. So we talk about that. We have to find the meaning in our work. And sometimes we are actually there. You may be in a meaningful job, but you are currently disengaged. Maybe one of the reasons is you're burned out. Is it possible you can have too much of a good thing? I'm going to speak about this in about a month. I'm going to do an episode. I'm going to do a series of episodes on burnout. Something I can speak very, very powerfully about. You know, I was telling the podcast crew here in our green room, you know, I'm like the method actor. I feel the need to go do things before I teach on them. I'm a guy who discovered his passion and his purpose very early on in life in regards to what I wanted to do. And I've been literally 35 years pursuing my passion and purpose. So if it's so fantastic and it people love it and it's, I've gone all over the world and we have millions of people who've gone into our programs and coaching and millions of people who've listened to this podcast, how is it I've gotten burned out on many occasions? So guess what? Sometimes you can become disengaged with the very thing you're gifted at just because you've done a bit too much of it. So I know all about that. So stay tuned a month from now. Kevin Keenan is a friend of our program. He's helping out with a lot of our marketing. And uh, Kevin has been a pal for a long, long time. And he's built a great brand. If ever you get to Ireland, there's a brand called Glendalock Whiskies and Pachin and everything, great stuff. And his adaptation of Confucius, you know, the Irish, we have a sense of humor. We don't get Confucius, we have confused us. And so Kevin Keenan, I'm going to quote him here. He says, do what you love and never work a day in your life, but you'll be kind of working all the time. That's what can happen. And that can lead to being disengaged. So you might be in your purpose, you might be in your passion, you might be doing what you want, but you might have done a bit too much of it, become disengaged. So very, very powerful. It is a big, big deal. Yeah. Viktor Frankl wrote one of the biggest, most meaningful books in the 20th century is called Man's Search for Meaning. And if you know anything about the context, Victor Frankl was a psychologist. He was a Jewish, interned in one of these work camps. And he observed, you know, because everywhere you go, there you are, as my mother says. And uh, he observed people who had been transferred from camp to camp to camp, these death camps, these work camps. And he would see someone get off a train who was fit and healthy, who'd just been taken off the street. And on that same train was someone who was emaciated and got, looked like they weren't going to make a day. And after some period of time, the person who was fit and healthy was dead, and the emaciated person was still going. And he didn't see this once or twice. He saw this hundreds and hundreds of times and started to ask these people, like, why is it you're able to keep going? Why are you able to keep surviving? And the overall premise of the book is if you have a strong enough why, you can endure anyhow. Didn't matter what was thrown at people. And many of these folks had a purpose, a reason. And many of these folks had a purpose connected to their work, believe it or not. That was unfinished business. Viktor Frankl himself spent his time reconstructing a manuscript he had lost. And he uses, so he's getting this input from these people who are surviving these horrific, most horrific circumstances a human being could ever endure. For some people, it was their work and the unfinished nature of the work they were so passionate about and so committed to that actually caused them to push through. So that's kind of the opposite of being disengaged. So maybe you feel a bit disengaged. Maybe you feel disconnected. And disconnected is also you can be disconnected from people and so on and so forth. One of the things they're finding right now, Gallup is doing a bunch of studies. Post-COVID, the number one aspect of work that has been diminished is in the area of creativity. Companies, businesses are being less creative. And one of the reasons for it is that people have become disconnected. And creativity is often when you're bouncing ideas off one another, you have a thought, and that leads to a different thought because none of us is as smart as all of us. And so... We were required to be disconnected for a while, but people need each other, and they do better. We're a society of disconnected people longing for connection," said Mike Breen. A famous old proverb says, "One log makes a lousy fire," and uh, Dave Liniger, who was the CEO of Remax, used to say that all the time. Another proverb: A single leaf alone provides no shade. We need other people. You know, one of the dynamics in the coaching business we have at Buffini and Company is we were intentional about building a sense of community because we knew people were growing and they needed to be connected to people who are like-minded. So we started small groups. So wherever somebody was in the U.S. or Canada, you know, they'd go on our website, go to the members area, put in their zip code, and up would come an area where someone in their community was hosting a Buffini small group. And they could see who the leader was. They could see when they met and who was in the group. And they could pick and choose where they wanted to go. And they made a commitment to go do this. And we would have 500 of these groups. We'd have a volunteer who would host these meetings, and we'd set these all up. Well, that grew into something we never planned on, which is the community itself has grown and become connected. So now we have like, we have an advanced event called Peak Experience, and sometimes I'll post a, an episode from that event. And uh, the folks that come there, we give them these white hats. They're kind of the good guys. And so they, they call themselves the white hats. And they go on cruises together. They go see each other in each other's businesses. This thing has taken on a life of its own because these are achievers, who want to be living the good life, who want to do go about it the right way, and they realize that not everybody's like that. Like, if you're listening to this show, not everybody's going to listen to this show because it's not for everybody. And so you find that you need people. Birds of a feather need to flock together. Maybe you've become not only disengaged, but disconnected. Brene Brown says connection gives people purpose and meaning in their lives. Or maybe you're just done. Okay, maybe you're done. You're just stuck. You've had enough. Okay. Time for the great resignation yourself. Now, I'm going to give you a couple tips on that, because a lot of people have used this opportunity to kind of engage in flights of fancy. It's like, okay, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a dancer. That's what I always wanted to be. Oh, no, I'm going to make movies. or what? Okay, fine. But whatever it is, I truly believe that your past is the path to your future. Success leaves clues. Things you've done in your past. So if you're going to make this change, and go do something different, or go do it in a different way. It's connected to the things you've done and succeeded at in the past, okay? So there's no point in me being a dancer, because I'm a lousy dancer. And so if I I say, I want to be a dancer because I see something that, oh, I'd love to be a part of, but I don't have that gift, I'm going to frustrate myself. Uh, You know what I've seen? Okay, I've seen some very successful middle-aged men who like to play golf, and they've sold their business, and now they say, I'm going on the senior tour. Well, let me tell you, the senior tour is where old, really good professional golfers play. So if you weren't good enough to be a professional golfer in your 20s and 30s and 40s, what in the frost makes you think you're going to be a professional golfer at 50s and 60s when you're older, beat up, and don't have all the skills? You're going to go compete against Bernhard Langer? That guy was great 30 years ago, and he's great now. So success leaves clues, and we want to find out what that is. You might be done, and that's okay. Ellen Glasgow was a novelist. She won the Pulitzer Prize back in 1942. And she says, the only difference between a rut and a grave are the dimensions. Growth can be painful. Change can be painful. But nothing is as painful as staying stuck. Zig Ziglar said, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you're determined to learn, no one can stop you. So, okay, maybe you're in the daily grind. Okay, maybe you're disengaged. Maybe you're disconnected. Maybe you're done. That's all good. No problem. Just make sure you're going about it the right way. So we've covered why work is work. Join me Thursday, where we'll talk about why some people are happy in theirs and ultimately how you can love yours. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.